Welcome to the Alaska Land Podcast, stories from the Fairbanks, North Star Borough's past, present, and future, with your host, Mayor Bryce Ward. Each episode, we'll sit down with Fairbanks' most interesting characters for a fascinating conversation about where we've been and where we're going. And now, Mayor Ward. All right, uh, this is the Alaska Land Podcast, and we are here with Tra- Tracy Van Airsdale. And uh, we are going to be talking about architecture. We're going to be talking a little bit about uh, the work that she's done here in Fairbanks and kind of some, some of her history and exposure here to the community. And you've probably seen her, uh, her work across town. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But welcome back, everyone. It's been a while. And uh, Tracy, I'm just glad that we're able to sit here and have this conversation with you. Great. Thanks, Mayor. Thanks for inviting me. This is such a, a neat uh, idea to get uh, these community voices and conversations out there. And I, yeah. It's my honor to be here. Thank you. Great. Well, let me let's dive into things. I always like to get to know, like, you know, how people came to be in Fairbanks. And it sounds like your story goes back to your childhood, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mine's pretty, uh, pretty easy. I was born here. Um, my dad was drafted in the army out of uh, Illinois back in like 66 and drove up with my mom on the Alcan and uh, started their family in, in Delta. Um, he, was, he was stationed at Fort Greeley. And um, soon after, moved into Fairbanks, and um, where um, they thrived and enjoyed living here, and all that Alaska offers. So, feel very privileged to have that opportunity to be born and raised, and continuing to to live here myself. That's great, and uh, it sounds like your dad had some history or some exposure to architecture and and construction. Maybe talk a little bit about that and how yeah. you kind of got into your field. Absolutely. My dad um, was a general contractor after he got out of the Army. He started Alcan Builders with his uh, friend Austin Smith and uh, really taught me a lot about the appreciation of how things are built and uh, the energy and not only just human power, but the materials and the calculations and the thoughtfulness that goes into it. So I spent a lot of time with him uh, combing over his drawings and his uh you know, wood shop and creating things. And I think I just like that aspect of sort of problem solving, you know, it's like seeing, thinking about something and then drafting it out and then actually constructing it, whether it was geese decoys that we made and sold or picnic tables on the side, or, you know, he just sort of was always crafting something and, and I like to be a part of that. Um, coupled with that was my mom who was a public health nurse here for 30 years. And I think she was the community uh, she had the community awareness and she was really active in helping others. And I think that's sort of molded me into sort of the opportunities that, um, that I, I knew, um, I was interested in and could, uh, utilize those same skills of creating and maybe helping others. So finding a need and then being able to develop the way to help solve it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's a, definitely a, a, a wonderful uh, profession, a combination of that, because you're definitely working with others and then helping create what their needs are, like needing their, it's their projects, it's their need, and you just happen to be uh, privileged to be a part of helping them. So in, in architecture, how long have you been doing the work that you've been doing? Maybe let's talk a little bit about like where you're at now and kind of what you're doing. Okay. Well, I'm a principal. I'm, I'm now the president of Besworth North Architects. We're a local firm, um, born and raised here as well. 
Um, we have an office in Fairbanks and Anchorage. We're um, just over 40 people with architects, landscape architects, interior designers, and uh, planners. So um, we uh, work all across the state. And so to get to, I am a licensed architect, to get to this um, profession, I guess, you have to uh, you go to school. Alaska doesn't offer a college of architecture, a degree in architecture, so you have to go out of state. So I was able to um, go my first year at UAF. I took a bunch of engineering and art classes. Didn't quite have the funds to get to get out of state, um, but knew I, I needed, that's where I wanted to be. Uh, went on the Western Undergraduate Exchange Program to University of Idaho and completed my degree there. Um, it's a five-year degree and uh, was able to return and um, be employed immediately. So um, graduated in 1994 and have been back here. A, a bit of a escape to Idaho to work for a year to get some more experience, but returned back and have been here since and been with Bettesworth since 1996. Oh, wow, that's great. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, <laughs> I, it's a real honor. I don't know, you know, I think uh, the opportunities I've had um, are very unique to our community and um, I think something special that our Golden Heart City provides to people uh, looking to um, uh, learn and grow and then help others um, is something I think Fairbanks is uh, well versed in and I see it all the time and I am very uh, thankful for that. So architects and engineers, there's some similarities, but and a lot of times they get kind of thrown around together, yeah. right? Maybe let's like, kind of explain for folks, what's the difference between the work that you do versus like maybe engineers that are on staff with you and, and how, how you work together? Sure. So architects, I like to, when I go to like uh, school groups to talk about, you know, architecture and the design field, I talk about the um, opportunities. If you like to be sort of in charge at times, it's a really good career choice because a lot of times, not always, the engineers are consultants to the project manager, which is typically the architect. So we work directly for a client, let's say like the borough, um, as a project manager, we will hold the contract with you or the prime consultant. And then beneath us, we have our engineering team members. And that includes electrical, mechanical, civil, structural, environmental, geotechnical, surveying. I mean, there's a whole myriad of them. And we um, uh, coordinate and collaborate with them on the solution. So um, we're in the design field. We do the code, we do the aesthetics, we do the programming, which is the list of spaces um, that need to be um, compiled into the solution. We do all the materials and a lot of the um, stakeholder engagement to make sure we're meeting their needs. And then the engineers sort of help us make sure it functions and operates. And I think that's a real unique challenge of architecture in Alaska and even in Fairbanks is that our buildings must uh, be engineered and operated so efficiently because of our costs. Um, not only the first cost, but those operation costs and maintenance or energy use, that those become much more um, uh, important drivers compared to like if you were building a, a, the same project in Idaho or California, where the climate is different, the foundation or the you know, geotechnical, the soil conditions is different. They don't have 
discontinuous permafrost like we do everywhere. Um, um, so they don't have the climate extremes that, that we do. So those engineering aspects become really critical to our solution. So that practicality, that sort of Alaskan practicality, you know, box form, whatever form that is, that makes it uh, more easy to construct, easy to maintain, easy to heat. All of those things have become really critical. Yeah, you know, it's um, I'm, I'm a builder too. So residential, small houses and, and fun stuff like that. Um, but I have had a little bit of exposure into some of the commercial world. And so when you start talking about this idea of, um, you know, someone has this grand vision, right? And you go, gosh, that would look really cool, but it's like virtually impossible to actually construct <laughs> that. So you bring in the aspect of kind of common sense and reality of how do you take something and aesthetically uh, meet your client's needs um, and then be able to look at your materials too and how can you actually get this, get this product built or this, this thing done. Um, you know, the other interesting thing too is, is the different types of products that we have. Um, you know, the big thing we deal, deal with up here is you mentioned permafrost as well as just the temperature swings. I mean, we can go from 40, 50 below to, you know, 90 degrees in a, in a season mm -hmm. and your expansion coefficients for your building materials means that buildings move yeah. and stuff happens that sometimes you don't want to yeah. move. So it, it's fascinating. It is, and I think that's a real um, wonderful opportunity of doing design work like we do in Alaska because we, as a firm, do work all over the state. So those climate condi conditions are real. I mean, whether it's on, we just finished some clinics in Subunga a few years ago. Um, we've done, you know, a library and fire station and catch a can. We, you know, so the extreme differences environments, we finished a hospital expansion in Bethel, like very different foundations, thermal envelopes, wind conditions, um, and these, those all really inform the design, no matter what you're designing. Um, so here in, in Fairbanks, it's really, we pay close attention to the sun, especially in times like even now, where our solar gain is happen, happening, you know, real time, we're gaining so much of that daylight. And, you know, it, within my uh, professional career, we are cooling buildings now it's a given like where air conditioning before was not so much, but we are now it's because we're already starting to feel those effects of having, you know, temperature swings of, of, of needing that. Um, and I think, um, so we, we focus a lot on the use of the light, the natural daylight. It's so precious to us at all times of the year. So how do we control it? Um, invite it in deep within our buildings. Um, so you'll see a lot of that in a lot of our firm's work. Um, and then we really try to focus on making the solution of the place. We use the term of the place so that it reflects whether it's the cultural elements, the environmental um, conditions of the landscape or the people in the community. So it's, it's almost um, recognizable that this is of Fairbanks. Um, this is of uh, Uniclete or wherever we're doing it, that it doesn't look like it could be anywhere else. It's exactly where it should be. It doesn't stick out like a sore thumb. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. No, it's, it's, uh, you definitely see that, right? There's buildings that you're going, gosh, that really stands out. Like that does not look like a Fairbanks building. Like, you know, a tile roof probably wouldn't yeah. be something you'd see in Fairbanks, right? But right. maybe Arizona or some other kind of arid climate. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's really interesting when you look at how 
um, architects take and incorporate that design in. And like maybe in your, you know, you, you said you've been doing this for a number of years. How have you seen that change over the years from maybe the approach that we had in the 90s or early 2000s to where, where we're at today? Well, I think there's been an evolution, I would say, a progression of um, energy costs. So, um, you know, everybody is very aware of that. Um, we look at not only the first costs, whether it's the um, the construction availability of materials or people or labor, um, and we work closely with a lot of co contracting partners to, to validate that. Um, but then looking at those operations and maintenance considerations to uh, sort of balance the equation, I guess, in the in the the considerations. But I would say the energy use is real. The cost of living, you know, is is significant. Our escalation and our inflation, we've all seen that in the in the last number of years. So it's important that we're helping um, inform the design with what we know and what people can people can afford uh, their projects today, but also afford them in the future to operate and maintain them properly. Um, so balancing that, I think we've uh, we've gained a lot of knowledge and research on the importance of daylight um, because, you know, some of uh, older buildings had much smaller windows. Everyone thought about the thermal barrier, you know, impact, you know, windows are value. The insulated value of a window is a lot less than the adjacent wall. Right. Um, and so windows got real small and compact and were sort of were exactly where they needed to be. And now we've, uh, with technology, the, the glazing um, and the additives are much um, better. And we've also know the value of that daylight to our mental well-being, whether it's in a school, whether it's in a clinic or hospital, whether it's in your home. Um, and it also can offset your lighting um, and the electrical needs. Um, and in some places, um, that electricity is the highest utility cost. So if we can help clients balance that with photovoltaic sensors, you know, the occupancy sensors that when the light comes on when you walk in, we can help offset some of those costs by doing design. So technology has played a role, I would say, just with the advancement of building systems, um, with the actual products that we're installing. Um, so those are, I guess, a few examples of how I, I've seen architecture evolve. Um, yeah, you know, it's really interesting, this idea of um, putting more money into the construction phase, you know, phase one or the kind of early phase. I'm not sure which. First cost. First cost, okay. Yeah. Um, for the project versus kind of your ongoing maintenance and operations. Um, you know, it's kind of, I almost say maybe it's not a new thing, but it's, it's certainly something I've heard talked a lot more about lately where, hey, if you added extra insulation here or you orientate your building this way, it may cost you, you know, extra 10% now, but it's going to save you you know, 6% for the life of the building. Exactly. How, what kind of time frame do you look at for, you know, those kind of cost recoveries? Is there kind of a rule of thumb or something that you look at? Well, we can look at the metrics lots of different ways. Um, but I think the message is that buildings have lifespans and they require uh, major maintenance or upgrades throughout, not only for their building systems, but also for the, um, a lot of times the uses change. So allowing for that flexibility, maximizing flexibility is really important. Um, and um, the code requirements have changed quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, in particular, 
maybe in the air quality and also in the seismic. You know, there is more um, uh, information is gathered from major events, let's say an earthquake in Anchorage or you know whatever it is, things, uh, codes get updated. So we have to stay uh, current on all of those and then help our clients many times retrofit buildings. Um, but in general, a building of a lifespan of 50 years is something that we target. Um, but knowing that many times within that 50 years, it will have some significant upgrades um, to help it reach not only its maximum like sort of efficiency, but also perhaps the evolution of the needs of the pro you know, actual users. It, so I was uh, last year got a chance to go to Iceland as part mm -hmm. of the Arctic Assembly, Arctic Circle Assembly. And over in Iceland, a lot of their buildings um, are built out of concrete mm -hmm. and, um, you know, amazing architecture uh, in Iceland. They're, you know, more co they're a coastal community. They're, you know, very different from Fairbanks, Sim very similar latitude wise and and, um, and whatnot. But uh, they the big thing that they talked about was life cycle um, mm -hmm. and looking at their buildings and, and saying, you know, we expect these buildings to be around for 100 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and many buildings in the in the um, community we were in Reykjavik um, had been around for like a hundred plus years, and yeah. you could tell. Yeah. Um, and so this idea of being able to look at our buildings and maximize efficiency, not just of the current occupants but future occupants too, is it, it's really interesting. And I, I just we don't seem to talk like that very much. Yeah, yeah I think it is. I think um, um, the. Uh, responsibility of the architects and the, and the entire design team. And, and we don't always, the engineers don't always work for us, but a lot of times they do. And sometimes we're, we work for a contractor, sometimes we're, you know, so it, there's different organizations of doing it, but I think it's all of our responsibility. And I think the architect uh, needs to lead in that voice because we use the term sustainability, not just for sort of the environmental impacts that our industry has, but also for the, the construction, like the outcome, like you said, the lifespan of that building, that life cycle cost of the building and the impacts it has on its occupants are real. Um, and concrete would be great if we could, uh, if it would be more thermally uh, conducive to our environment because I've been to Iceland too and it is a lot it's a bit more temperate <laughs> yeah so even though they were the same latitude I mean almost yeah uh, very close but uh, they are so much more temperate than we are yeah, and geothermal. yes like, and they're like everyone everywhere. should be doing geothermal and like not everyone lives on a volcanic right. you know break in the crust of the earth so uh, but yeah they have it's different world <laughs> yeah. and isn't it a, it's pretty wonderful too I it mean, is it's a wonderful um uh, use of resources that yep. i think is something we can all uh you know strive for so you know bring it back to fairbanks here when, when you look around town you've done a number of projects you've done a, a number of projects for the borough uh, as well as other clients uh, what, what are some of your favorite that you like to see so, and is there like a certain um, style that you just think is just so, um, so Fairbanks. Yeah. Is there something that, that draws your attention more than others? Well, I think, um, first of all, our projects are all team effort. There's a, there's a lot of people involved and we are so fortunate to have an incredible, um, staff of creative problem solvers. Um, they, um, they, uh, 
sort of, uh, I guess, um, challenge me every day to, to learn more and, and do more and, you know, ask the what ifs on every project. So I really appreciate that. Um, I would say, um, you know, I talked a little bit about of this place and what, what we have done or tried to do is instill a philosophy. And this really started from my, one of my main mentors, C.B. Bettesworth was, um, you know, creating a, a solution that reflected not only the users or the stakeholders, um, but had a story to tell. Sometimes that story is really evident. Um, and sometimes it's more of, of a discovered element or maybe just the stakeholders or the folks that inform the design we're part of. So I'll give you an example on um, like Morris Thompson. Um, we worked uh, with the Danakanaga entity of Tanana Chiefs Conference with um, the Fairbanks Convention Visitors Bureau before it now it's Explore Fairbanks and with the National Park Service who were three tenants that shared this vision of a combined facility. Um, it has, it's faced with um, black granite tile to the south. It reflects our granite tours. It's a natural form. It, it sort of creates um, a nod to the, to the natural world that we have all around us, so beautiful. Um, and it's that black granite is um, surrounded by rocks and vegetation and all that's facing to the south. And that really truly wanted to be a black box because it's the museum ex exhibit and the, or the auditorium within there. The north side was is the um, sort of the non-native office spaces. Um, they're very orthogonal, they're very regular, square, boxy. The, the siding is, uh, is a composite sort of wood looking, um, but it's very uniform. And so um, those two forms are brought together with a very high clear story daylit space. Um, it is a very um, simplistic uh, representation of what the namesake, Morris Thompson, was known for bringing these entities together mm -hmm. and sort of celebrating that into this great hall and welcoming people into that space. So that came out of not our studio. It came out of the dialogue with a whole stakeholder group about how the building wanted to be organized on the site, the important components, what it wanted to reflect. So those are sort of how some these design solutions kind of get bubbled up and, and um, created and it's really a fun thing, but like a lot of people probably wouldn't know that uh, story. Yeah, I mean, I, I knew the story of uh, Morris Thompson. I also knew like obviously the buildings there and the different tenants, but how those were woven together um, to tell the story in the building is fascinating. Yeah, and it's really, it's a really fun. It's, we really have, um, I really feel, yeah, excited. Um, on these sorts of projects because there's there's just those opportunities. And I would say another project was Chief Andrew Isaac Health Center. Um, that was so uh, important to Tanana Chiefs Conference and it was a really a privilege to be a part of that and sort of make that um, a, a place of healing and a place of um, comfort when, when no one is, uh, uh, in uh, their best place, probably walking into their, to see their doctor. You know, it's mm -hmm. not, a, it's not a, you're not feeling, you're probably not feeling good and you're not feeling comfortable. And so we really tried to do that from the moment you entered the site 
on the from the land you know side from even the driveway um, into the building orientation and and the materials and all of that so it's uh that was really a, a, a incredible project to be a part of and it I do feel like it's inspiring. You walk in and, you know, it's, it's like, wow, this is, there's something special about this place. And it's, it's neat that as an architect and, and with your team, you're able to help bring that, share that story, whether or not someone recognizes it or not yeah. in the building. So maybe um, for folks that uh, are intrigued, uh, maybe like yourself as a, as a young person working with your dad and uh, and kind of getting these life experiences. If someone's interested in architecture, what would there be um, any kind of suggestions or advice that you would give them as far as you know how to explore that and find out if it's something they want to make a career out of? Well, we often have student shadowers come to our. Um, we um, are we go visit schools. We recently did Ryan Middle School, and so we were actively um, going there on career days and just. Um, teamed up with some of the teachers there to, to talk about architecture with their students. Um, so we're active in the schools um, and we invite people to come and happy to contact, you know, anyone that contacts us to shadow and, and learn um, what we do. Because I think it is an industry that you don't really know about um, necessarily in school. I do think our, our local high schools do give those opportunities for introduction in some of their different um, courses and fields. Um, so um, I think those are um, uh, great um, opportunities. I think there's a course quite a bit online. I think that Western Undergraduate Exchange Program is um, still uh, a real asset to our state and to University of Alaska Fairbanks to help students from Alaska study outside um, and get their degree because that is a required part of our, you know, professional is to get that professional degree. Um, you do an internship um, for a number of years to fill criteria, and then you sit for your exams. So it's, you know, it's a process, and you have to, you know, know what you're getting into when you start that because um, it's a commitment and a lot of work. But so it sounds like for young people or for folks that are interested, there's some certainly some paths that they can take here in the state, but at some point they're going to have to go outside. Of Alaska to to get that actual certificate, that degree, um, and hopefully we can draw them back here. Exactly, that's the goal. Yeah, great. Well, um, is there you know as, as you talked a little bit about kind of these different ideas and concepts um, that get woven into telling stories? Is there any like exciting projects that you um, see on the horizon that you're going to be a part of, or um, stuff that you're excited about uh, for Fairbanks? Absolutely. Right now, um, we are uh, partnered and assisting uh, U University of Alaska Fairbanks with the Trothuda Cultural Indigenous Center. So it's um, really, uh, really quite a lovely uh, vision that um, the chancellor and leadership there have for um, one of the last remaining sites on the West Ridge there on Trothuda campus. and. Um, so it's going to be a place for learning and sharing and celebrating um, knowledge. Um, they're going to have archival components where recordings can be made and preserved. Um, a lot of staff and uh, faculty support and then, of course, just students um, resources. And so that's a really wonderful project to be involved in. And 
we're um, one just of many of team members, um, including our colleagues at Jones and Jones Architects, which um, have taught me a lot about um, uh, listening, um, learning. You know, you don't, you don't. What's the saying? You don't learn uh, much from talking. So our profession takes a lot of listening to our for our stakeholders and. Um, for projects like this with such cultural importance, not my native culture, um, I, I have to learn a lot from that. And I, it's going to be a really exciting project to be a part of. Well, it sounds like you certainly have the experience of bringing um, these different parts of our community together and, and tying them together with a piece of infrastructure that tells a story. So I, I look forward to seeing uh, and experiencing that story here in the future. So, well, um, that I think brings us to a wrap here for our podcast today. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, to share a little bit about your history and about architecture and um, how that has played out here in Fairbanks and across the state. Thank you very much. Nice to see you. All right. Until next time, we'll see you then. Fairbanks, oh Fairbanks. Thanks for listening to the Alaska Land Podcast. We hope you found today's conversation enlightening. For more episodes, listen on your mobile device through your favorite podcast app or watch at youtube.com slash Fairbanks North Star Borough.